You're listening to Customer Perspective, an Ipsos podcast. This is episode 10, recorded the week of June 15th, 2020. Welcome to Customer Perspective, our Ipsos podcast series aimed at all of you who are concerned in some way with helping your organization deliver on its brand promise to customers. So it's for customer experience practitioners, those who lead CX measurement and management programs. It's for those of you who are into mystery shopping. You might be responsible for the performance of sales channels or functions and then their role in delivering customer success. If that's the kind of thing you're into, then this podcast is absolutely for you. I'm Helen Wilson, and I'm the CXO for our Ipsos CX and channel performance business. And I'm here with Trevor Clark. We've now deemed Trevor is my friend, not just my colleague. He is indeed my co-host. And Trevor, we are here for the 10th week running. Yes, indeed. Hello, Helen, my friend Helen. Uh, (laughs) 10th episode. It does feel like a milestone. Really enjoying it. Pleased to be here. I seem to recall on our second podcast when we were actually quite excited that they invited us back for episode two. I actually was speaking to a colleague yesterday who said that, you know, with podcasts, they do seasons. Maybe we should start thinking about having season one and season two. And I thought, sounds quite positive. Imagine that. Looking forward to season two. Imagine that. (laughs) (laughs) So for today, Uh, I'm delighted to welcome Stefan Sanchez. Now, Stefan wears a number of different hats in our CX and CHP business, our channel performance business here at Ipsos. So, Stefan, welcome, first off. But can I first ask you to just tell us a little bit about your role, about those hats you wear? And I'd be interested to hear more about the the markets that you're responsible for, if you could. Yes, sure. Hi, Len, by the way. Hi, Trevor. Nice to be with you today. So I'm looking after Asia Pacific uh, for customer experience and channel performance at Ipsos. So I'm based in Singapore. So looking at markets from North Asia to Southeast Asia, including of Australia, New Zealand, and India. My role is basically about supporting our market uh, in answering our customer business issue, um, supporting us so our teams in basically training and getting the latest thinking and knowledge about the latest Ipsos basically solutions um, and basically really get, getting close to both our teams and our um, our clients to have them on a day-to-day basis. So from your perspective as a leader in APEC, what are, what are clients asking you as um, markets and their businesses um, come out of the COVID-19 pandemic and start thinking forward? Mm-hmm. Basically, there is a couple of things that we are discussing with them. One, of course, the most obvious one is about um, some markets are different stage in Asia. Um, some are actually starting to reopen. And one of the key 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 point of discussion we have with them is, so how do I ensure that um, I keep my employees and I keep my, my customers safe? So um, that brings basically the discussion to some of our uh, channel performance, basically solution, but also how do we ensure that uh, they have the, the the right measures and protocol in place? Um, from a um, if, from a customer experience perspective, uh, a lot of clients take the opportunity to really do press the press pause on their program and trying to 
to rethink what basically they should be doing to improve our customer experience. So we have a lot of discussion at more strategic level than maybe we have on a day-to-day -day basis normally. Um, and that's really interesting because Asia is, is uh, usually a, a market that um, usually can recover pretty fast. And therefore, we see basically those discussions really uh, moving um, moving forward um, and clients really eager basically to test and learn new ideas uh, and taking this opportunity basically to improve what they have been doing so far in terms of whether it's customer experience or alternate performance. Could you, could you expand a little bit on that for us? Um, it's interesting. I think um, those clients of ours who are listening and thinking about the change that they need to to make to their customer experience programs. What kind of changes were they facing? You mentioned more strategic decisions. How did they go about those decisions and apply them to their programs? Yeah, so um, some, so I, I can take some of the discussion I had actually um, doing a call today with one of our clients. One really big question for them right now is, so everything we knew about customers, is it still up to date? Do we need basically to, to go back to the drawing boards and try to understand what what needs and expectations will be uh, moving forward? So that's one big discussion because it's it's impacting um, everything they are doing in terms of customer experience. I will say basically from a very operational standpoint on how they deliver that experience, but um, also from, all, from a more strategic standpoint or how do they actually enable interaction with customers? How do they actually collect the feedback? How do they act as an organization, uh, especially when you are, you are in a work from home environment? How do you ensure basically that your employees still stay connected and act on customer experience? Um, whether it's, again, a call center, uh, whether it's um, back office people, et cetera. So, so that, that's, that's definitely one. The other thing which, of course, is touching everyone is uh, with what is going on from an economic standpoint, a lot of clients basically see some of their budget being reduced. So we are discussing with them about uh, new ways, new innovative ways of basically for them to deliver still a good experience and for us to provide basically the insight um, that are needed to the, from an organizational standpoint to really act um, whether it's uh, on, on, on feedback that they receive um, from, a, from a real-time standpoint or whether it's from, like I said earlier, more from a strategic standpoint. Um, so that, that's very interesting because it drives um, ultimately, um, I would say, thinking from both sides to really um, try to improve what, what the ways basically that we are using um, to interact with customers, like I said, but also how can we have them be better at actioning all the insight that they receive? Um, and and like, I, like we see in a lot of markets, speed is key. So how can they do that in the a, in a fastest way possible? As we think about what the clients are facing and the decisions they're making, digital, of course, is been accelerated everywhere. How have digital channels been impacted in Asia Pacific and how do they relate to the customer experience programs? So digital um, has been, I would say, an accelerator for a lot of markets, especially emerging markets. Um, and and for us, basically, from a, um, a research standpoint, that's also something that we have been pushing a lot during the last few weeks for our clients. 
So what, one of the interesting facts in, in Asia is that we still have a lot of clients running what we call legacy uh, programs, so still relying heavily on offline, I would say, type of uh, methodology. And basically, the, this, this current situation has pushed both of us, so clients and us, to try to revisit how can we um, still run their program uh, using digital channels. Um, so any any digital channels that are available in, in their market. Um, and so far, it has been pretty positive. A lot of clients that we have rather run pilots or transitioned um, are actually uh, are acknowledging now that moving forward, that, that's the way that they are going to, to use and that the way that they want to push. Um, and and they, they understand basically that with, with, the, with, with what we are going through and, and customers and, and consumers basically re, being really more open uh, to use digital channels to answer or to provide feedback through digital channels, um, that's definitely something that's going to change the game for them moving forward. And one of the key things, again, I'm coming back on it, but it's all about speed. So how, 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 how fast can you basically react to any feedback that the customer gives you? Um, that's something that is, is really um, new and I would say changing for them versus what they had been doing so far. So two, two things I would like to mention also, maybe maybe are not specific to Asia, but so in, in this current environment of brands and company having to manage work from home employees, um, we, we see that they, there is a lot of tension that have appeared, um, especially around uh, contact centers and call centers. Um, so having, again, to manage employees working from home, having, uh, be, having the capability to transition them, this is something that um, I really made um, a, a lot of, I would say, noises and, and uh, people complaining um, because we, we have seen a surge in, in people basically willing or wishing to have actually an interaction with a human being when these, when it's about fixing an urgent, uh, an urgent issue and not having basically to go through some um, uh, digital channels or chatbot or et cetera. So this has put an, an enormous level of pressure on contact centers employee. And therefore, um, uh, I would say a, a, a lower level of customer experience being delivered. Um, so in, in, in summary, basically what, what we are really seeing is that there is a need in the future while there is this um, push for digital that we talked just now with Trevor. There's also a need to keep in mind that um, it, customers, uh, we, we still need at some level and in some occasion to, to be able to talk to, uh, to another human being, I would say. Uh, and that's extremely important because um, in, in moment of crisis like, like where we, where, when we are going right now, um, it still provides basically a, a chance for a brand to create a, a positive memories uh, to, for customers and therefore um, have this um, close relationship being developed and strengthened um, moving forward. Thanks for that, Stefan. It's really interesting to hear the kind of points you're making and to compare those to some of the feedback we were getting from our colleagues last week. And certainly to your point about the contact centres, I'm having more conversations than ever before with our with our clients around this absolute need to evaluate the experience in the contact centres. As you say, it's that need for a, a human conversation, but also recognising the sensitivity of some of the conversations, recognising that in some cases the agents are new to dealing with these situations who might be working from home. So I know that, you know, whether it's a case of, of employing 
mystery shopping or mystery calling as is, or whether it's a case of employing VOC programs, then they really do have a role to play. Now, I would say that, wouldn't I? Um, on which note, one of the conversations you and I have been having, which has led to this creation of the thought paper, is around the role of mystery shopping and the role of VOC or voice of the customer programs in this CX measurement ecosystem. In terms of your take, what do you see as the role of mystery shopping and voice of the customer programs in this wider measurement ecosystem? If, if we look at, again, Asia, Asia specifically, I would say a lot of actually customers or clients in the region, they, they actually look at mystery shopping more like a compliance or an incentive tool, um, rather than actually, if you look at being one of uh, one of one of the elements of their CX ecosystem. Um, so in, in their mind, basically, there's this association between mystery shopping um, not being necessarily a tool or, or a methodology that can bring value uh, in terms of customer experience. Um, so we are, we are talking to them and we are, of course, trying to, uh, to influence them in terms of how mystery shopping can be positioned um, really to, to drive more than, than, than just being basically a compliance audit, for example. Um, I mean, if, if I look at it from my own perspective, um, I would say that, yes, he has definitely a, a, a big role to play as part of any, any CX ecosystem that any brand will want to put in place. Um, they are CX program and, and or VOC program and, and uh, mystery shopping are, are connected um, because mi basically mystery, mystery shopping program is a great way uh, to evaluate, for example, CX standards or fundamentals on how basically you deliver that experience to your employees. Um, and be basically your VOC program will, on the other side, be the one telling you actually what you should be uh, measuring or, or what are the, for example, the training that uh, you should be putting in place for your frontline people. Um, so again, there is, there is this, um, this change or this trend that is, it is coming through where, um, uh, like I was saying earlier, a lot of our clients are opposing uh, what they are doing in terms of CX, um, wanted to uh, rethink how they do things, how, how they should physically uh, use those different building blocks uh, to really deliver be better and more value, I would say, to the organization. So th those are part of the discussion we have with them to say, how can you leverage basically different methodology or different type of research to really deliver to your organization the, all the insight that are needed um, at different level um, and, and, and for the different stakeholders, basically. Just going back to that first point you made, so you talked about mystery shopping being used as a compliance or an incentive tool, and I was thinking that you were about to refer to compliance, in effect, to brand promise, and obviously your answer suggested otherwise. So can you just tell me more, when you're speaking about mystery shopping in your region as a compliance tool, what are you talking about there? So a lot of our clients, for example, if we look at um, banks or insurance, actually they do have to meet um, as part of their um, uh, legal requirement in their country, a certain level of um, uh, or meet certain criteria or, or, or respect certain uh, guidelines in terms of how they right. um, deliver their product, etc. So that, that's how they use it. Uh, but what we are talking about, it's more about um, uh, delivering on the brand, brand promise uh, rather yeah. than what, what they are doing. 
And I guess to your point, it's, it's interesting to think about how certain markets focus on it as a particular use. But the reality is it fulfills, fulfills that purpose and more. So whether it's from a compliance regulatory perspective, yeah. I guess almost a leg- legislative perspective, or indeed compliance from a third party perspective. So I know in this area, we will have clients who will employ mystery shopping, might be mystery calling to ensure mm-hmm. that the third parties are delivering on behalf of our client um, on the brand promise. So compliance, but from a different angle. And then to your point, of course, it's about ensuring that the customer experience is being delivered on. And I guess then it's that third aspect of driving operational efficiency. So one of the key things I see from a mystery shopping perspective, let's take an example of of, of a mystery caller calling a contact center, is they can absolutely do that end-to-end journey in one. So they can evaluate, you know, how many rings was it? How many times were they passed on? The actual experience, the presence of um, technology having a positive impact, you know, particularly as you described, if somebody's working from home, can they hear them properly? Are their headphones working? And then all the way through to that end aspect of whether the the call was sufficiently resolved um, and and so on and so forth. And I guess customer experience can fulfill many of those aspects, but it's different in that it's from the customer perspective. It's different in the sense that they're not necessarily prepared to sit on a call for 20 minutes and answer a questionnaire. It's different in the sense that they don't go in knowing what the scenario is. And I guess for me, one of the real benefits of mystery shopping is it enables you to get into really niche type scenarios So back to your point about customer experience enables one to work out how you're doing. It enables you to work out what you need to focus on. And with the right analytics, the the return of focusing on those particular aspects. But then when it works brilliantly, the two work hand in hand. Um, Trevor, when I was having a conversation with, with Kendra, who's writing this paper with us, that you've got a couple of your clients who are doing that absolutely brilliantly where they have all the measures in place and they truly are working hand in hand to build a brilliant customer experience, but one that's operating in an, uh, an efficient manner. Yes, and especially the connection to actions, right? Yeah. So that the the, um, the ability in a mystery shopping program to directly connect and measure actions being taken um, in comparison to the, the voice of the customer programs. Yeah, and it's so fundamental, isn't it? I mean, it, it, to your point, at the end of the day, no matter what technique you're employing, fundamental thing that one needs to do is to understand what's the business question that you need to address so is it that you're looking to for example reduce churn is it that you're looking to drive up acquisition is it that you're looking to operate in a more operationally efficient way um that that is what's key and then you bring the appropriate technique to the table and to your point and then ensure that you're delivering action so stefan as we think about focusing on actions being taken coming out of the programs how are your clients employing mystery shopping in relation to helping organizations deliver on those health and safety promises that you referenced? We actually have um, country at very, very different stages um, on their way to return to uh, what we could call normal, if we can call that normal. Um, so some markets are basically almost fully reopened, um, thinking of especially market in North Asia. Um, market in South Asia, like where I am sitting in Singapore, we are still much in, into lockdown. Um, and we don't really know when, when things are going to go back to normal. So I would say um, the, the the discussion we have with clients basically uh, is, is really about, first of all, to understand um, what actually your consumers and customers basically 
um, what is their state of mind? And actually, interestingly, um, we see there's there's a common trend across all the market in Asia. It's fear um, and and stress. Um, I mean, Asia has been through a, a, quite a few uh, a few pandemic in the last uh, in the last 15 years. I would say between SARS and and H1N1, etc. So I would say it's not the first one, but this one is really the hardest so far. And those based on that, there is fear from customers and consumers to basically just step out of the house and and go back to a brick and mortar um, um, space and and being close to other people. So. What we see when we discuss with them is actually that health and safety is becoming basically um, uh, a, a new metric or a new measurement that any organization needs to have in place for two, th- for, for two things. One is basically important for them uh, to ensure that they are putting their employee and customers in a safe environment, but also because from a customer perspective, you want to be able to know that your um, the brand or the, the company that basically you are going to visit um, has in place the right protocol and they are putting the right things in place to ensure that you are in a safe environment when you visit them. So that's definitely something we talk we talk a lot about. Um, and honestly, I mean, a lot of brands are, don't really know what, what exactly to do. Uh, they do have guidelines or protocol being shared in some cases by, uh, by authorities or government in their countries, so much we don't. Uh, so we, we try to guide them also about best practice being done in other markets and, uh, and and really help them to, to like I said, put best, put their employees and their customers in, in the safest environment. So we've chatted about health and safety and as it relates to mystery shopping and the focus that that's taking place currently. With your other hats on, what other guidance are you sharing with clients more generally? <laughs> we share, we share quite, a, quite a fair bit of... of um, of insight at this stage, um, like I said earlier, uh, one one big side, I mean, big chunk of the discussion we have is really about um, how how do I do how do I basically execute my my brand promise and, and deliver my brand promise better, and how therefore should I um, review um, what I do in terms of customer experience? So again, the discussion go. Pretty are uh, pretty broad from from strategic to very operational level and like Ellen mentioned in, in some cases it's covering also um, mystery shopping uh, retail performance um, and or, or specific channels of interaction call centers um, uh, digital channels uh, we do have a fair bit of discussion about that so that that's one big I mean big chunk of our discussion right now. And so the second point is really about um, what do I need to know? What do I need to really put in place right now to ensure that um, I'm going to uh, to capture what are the needs and expectation in this new normal for my customers? And and that that's honestly a tough question because depending on the industry, um, uh, we we do expect actually needs and change um, to fluctuate a lot and and basically. Um, to to have um, really really uh, important changes on our customers are going to behave moving forward. Um, we already have seen that in a lot of industry here. Um, for example, I mean e-commerce has been um, exploding here in terms of usage and adoption, uh, which in in some market I have to say it it was uh, it was far uh, far from um, um, from where we are right now and. 
Um, so it gives a lot of opportunity, I would say, uh, to, to a lot of our clients to really push or accelerate um, a, lot of, uh, a lot of initiatives that um, uh, they, they had put on hold or, or they, had, they didn't basically uh, push as hard as, as what they have to do right now. Thanks, Stefan. As we round out the podcast, maybe if you could change perspective a little bit from your role in leading APEC to maybe your role as a customer. And can you tell us about a standout experience, um, either good or bad, that has challenged your perception of a brand? Honestly, I have to say there is there's quite a fair bit of brand that um, uh, are, are doing good job or bad job, at least, especially during this period. But there is one that really stands out for me, and um, it's a brand based in Asia. Um, the name is Grab, so it's actually a super hub. And that provide basically um, a, a lot of services to clients. And wh- why why they changed my perspective is, especially during this difficult time, um, it really made me realize that you you still have or you have actually brand that can still be really um, supportive on on threefold. So one is the community. They have been basically supporting uh, a lot the community in all the market. They are they are basically present. Uh, which, which I think is, is really important. The second thing is the employee. They have really made sure that uh, the employee basically were, were fine and uh, didn't have any financial issue during this tough time and, um, and, and really took care of them, um, I would say, very well. And the last thing is customers, and I'm one of them. Um, they have really put in place very quickly uh, and in a very effective way a lot of measures uh, around social distancing, around new services, uh, contactless, etc., to really make your life easier. So I was, I was, a, I was a heavy user of their services, but I think that has reinforced, I would say, during this crisis, my view about um, about them as a brand, what they carry, and most importantly, is what they promised to actually deliver it, which is very important for me. It's a nice way to wrap up, Stefan, and I think it takes us back to. This must have been episode three or four when we had Nico who joined us. Nico, in effect, is your equivalent in LATAM. Um, I don't know if you remember, but he then was talking about examples yeah. from sort of early responses from leading players across the world. And it was exactly those themes that you talked about that were organizations were getting it right, but it was also looking after doing the right thing by their employees and indeed by the wider world. And it's really lovely to see six, seven weeks later that when you speak to a personal example, it's a it's an organization delivering, nailing those three massive aspects of what great looks like. Well, thank you very much for joining us. It's really interesting to hear your perspective as a leader across a sort of large part of the world encompassing markets who are at a very different place uh, coming out of the other side of this crisis. And we have more information on our website that people might be interested in finding out more about the importance of understanding customers amidst everything. And there's a thought paper on that that people might find interesting in reading more about. And, of course, some of the solutions that you refer to there in regard to health and safety. So if you'd like to know more, just check those out on our website. That's ipsos.com. And if you'd like to ask Stefan any questions, please do feel free to get in touch with us via customer perspective at ipsos.com. I'd like to thank you for listening to our first 10 episodes. And we'll be back next week with episode number 11. Thanks so much. Thank you for listening to Customer Perspective, an Ipsos podcast. New episodes will be made available each week, so be sure to hit subscribe on your favorite podcast app 
to get the latest episodes delivered directly to you. We are also available on Spotify.